0: Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Tell you what, while you're standing, we'll go ahead and read our text. I want to jump in. I know it's a school night, but I love every opportunity I have to come to Christian Life Church. And it's actually been a while, and that's not my fault. But it's good to be here. Actually it is. We we've been working on the calendar, trying to work something out here recently, and it just hasn't worked. But to come and see the growth, the changes. I was telling Pastor Josh, I love the new platform design, and you're going to have the world's largest information desk out there. It's a lot of information, but just I love seeing growth and I love seeing the great things that are happening. And uh, this is a special church. I have a friend in ministry who texted me end of last week and just said, I just got the invite to go to CLC. Thank you, because I put a word in for him, and I told him, get your preach on, because this is a preaching church, and you're about to have fun when you get there, because this is a great church. This is a great church. This is a great church. So, let me read my text, and then after you sit down, I'll throw out another comment or two. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Key question. Now, When Pastor Jay and I talked on Monday and he said, uh, come speak, he didn't say pray and whatever God leads you. He said, come and speak on self-esteem and self-worth. So I didn't even get to pray about the will of God for this service. I'm doing what I was assigned to do because you've been in a series. So I'm just sticking with the flow here. But the question Moses asked is, who am I? Who am I? Verse 12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And he said, this is what you are to say. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob have sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Turn to somebody you didn't ride to church with and just say to them, I know he is. But, but who am I? I know he is, but who am I? You may be seated. I love my sister. Glad to be with my sister Patty tonight. And I love this family. We were here for Christmas celebrating, and uh, always great to be in Austin. Disclaimer, before I jump in, as I've got a halls in my mouth, this polar vortex we've been in has affected some of us folks with allergies and things of that nature. And uh, I don't like preaching with anything in my mouth. One reason, because it does bring back a scarred memory of when I was working for Pastor Jay at the young age of 21 in Louisiana. The first time I ever got to preach on a Sunday night. Now you understand, Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings we kind of got together to ramp up for Sunday night. Because Sunday nights when we had church, sometimes we'd even drop the R, we just have church. Sunday night, Sunday night's when it happened, and I got to speak on a Sunday night, and before I went up, there was a lady in the church named Maul Green, and I I literally think when she was born, they named her Maul, because that's all anyone ever knew her by was Maul Green, and she stopped me and said, you're preaching, I said, yes ma'am, I am, she said, I'm going to do you a favor, and she gave me a tic-tac, she said, put this in your mouth when you walk up, and when it's done, you're done. Dear Lord, I kept thinking, don't don't crunch. Don't, don't," you know, be careful. And uh, actually, I think I was done before the Tic Tac was done. But ever since then, I put candy, something in my mouth while I'm preaching, and I, I go back to thinking, Lord, when it's done, I'm done, which I just crunched, and that hall's gone. So in closing, uh, <laughs> so the disclaimer is also to everybody on the front row, You're within spitting distance, so be quick. I may have something for you. I know he is, but who am I? No matter who you are, we all have at least one thing in common. And one thing we all have in common here tonight is we all share a natural, conscious desire to know who we are and why we're here on this planet. Everybody shares that. We're all still discovering who am I and what's my purpose and why am I here. And uh, Soren Kierkegaard said it this way. He said, the most common form of despair is not being who you are. You may be something, but are you who you're supposed to be? That, that's a very common form of despair, not being who you are. But before we can understand ourselves, I think we have to understand God. And that's actually the dialogue that takes place here between God and Moses. If we don't have a knowledge of the Creator, we will never fully grasp the purpose of His creation and the plan He has for us. So you've you got to get a grasp on God if you ever want to get a grasp on yourself. And our problem isn't that we don't know who God is, we just don't understand who we are in Him. When you see as God sees, you'll do what God says. And when you have an incorrect assumption, you'll have a messed up assessment. In actuality, to get a better self-image, you need to get a good, clear God image. Be clear on who God is, if you can get some clarity on him. And so when God addresses Moses here, notice Moses' question was, who am I? And he asked the question, God, who am I because of this task we have at hand here? And the interesting thing is that when God addresses him, there is no attempt to clarify the validity of Moses' identity. God skipped right past the question. Who am I, Lord, that I should go? And God moves right on and said, tell them who I am. He never even addressed the question of who am I. He went straight into who I am. Because to God, at this particular moment with Moses, we we don't need to look in a mirror and figure out who we are. What we need to get very clear is who he is and who's sending us. And so what matters right now is not that you know who you are, but that you know who I am and that I am, I am. There are 66 books of the Bible that were written by over 40 writers under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and it's supernaturally inspired, and it is the autobiography of God. And the Bible was written so that we would have someone to know, not so that we would have something to do. It's all about knowing him. And the book is given to us so that we would know him. Now once you know him, you're going to want to do things for him, but the book is not to do, the book is to know. It's to know. It's all right. it's just Bible study Wednesday night. So, there are some things that the Bible says God is like that, again, Moses says, who am I? And God says, let me just remind you who I am. Let me just take you back to remind you who he is. The Lord our God is one Lord, the book says. It's just it's all about him. He is one. He, is, he alone is God. There is no God beside him. He is the one and true living God. He, he alone is worthy to be worshipped. God is self-existent, the scripture says. He's self-existent. He he doesn't depend on anything or anyone. God doesn't have to plug in to recharge. He just is. He is. He is transcendent. Excuse me. In other words, he he is not... He steps up to the workbench like a carpenter and the workbench for God is everything that is created but he is not on the bench, he's outside of the bench working with tools to, for everything that is and can be. He, he was before, he will be after. He is imminent, which means he's close. He's very close. He he does not stand outside his creation, but he actually entered into his creation because it makes him near. He's imminent. He he is present and he has made himself known. He he is immutable that means he never changes he's the same yesterday today forever Uh, he cannot be changed he cannot be altered he is the unchanging God he he is eternal he is unbound and unrestricted by time he uses all of time like we wear a piece on our wrist it's a tool that God can work in of out of and around he is infinite meaning he is untouched, he is unhindered, he's unobstructed, he's unlimited, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere all the time, at the same time, fully present, fully engaged. He, he's omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, nothing too hard for him, nothing too small for him. Before it happens, it's already happened with him, and, and he, he knows every heart, he knows the contents of our soul, he's incomprehensible. I'm talking about someone I don't fully know. I'm talking about someone and I'm employed by someone that at best I see him through a dark glass. He is just incomprehensible, meaning no matter how many names you put on him, no matter how many adjectives you use to describe him, when you do all of that, you will run short at really describing how awesome, how phenomenal, how powerful God is. He He's perfect, he's holy, he's righteous, he's blameless, he's good, he does good, he, 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 he's true in all of his judgment, he's perfect in all of his ways, and, and, and this is the one who's, this is the biography is about him, and, and it's, we've got to grasp that if I know who he is, then we can deal on, who am I? All other religions of the world have gods, thank you Richard, a family member, but don't hold that against him. All other religions of the world have a God who's either impersonal or he's either personal or he's infinite. He's either infinite or he's personal. In Greek mythology, the gods were personal but they're not infinite. They're subject to human emotions. They, are, they have temper tantrums. They're given to rage. They were even subject to the elements. So, so they were very personal, but they weren't infinite. Then if you go to Eastern religions, the gods are infinite, but they're not personal. They, they're dead. They're lifeless. They, they're a force, but they're not a person. They're, there's no relationship. The thing that makes our God different than any other God is that he is both infinite And personal. He's the only God that can claim that I'm all powerful, but how well do you want to know me? We teach our kids to pray, God is great, God is good. Man, that is so doctrinally correct. Because God is great, but he's also good. He is big and he is strong, but he is close and he is caring. And I'm saying all this because... We've got to get this correct idea of who he is, a correct confession of who he is, and then a confidence that if he's all that, he must have known what he was doing when he created me. So here's the question you've got to ask yourself. If God is all these wonderful things, why am I so insecure? I mean, I know he is, but who am I? Who am I? And if you don't know who you are, you won't find balance in anything else in your life. Finding comfort in our God-given identity is not an easy thing because there's a lot of folks wanting to tell you who you are, what you should be, and how you should live. and how you But if you ever figure out and come together with your identity in God, you are a powerhouse to be reckoned with whenever that clicks, whenever it's like, wait a minute, I am complete in Him. I'm all that I need to be in Him. I'm made in His image. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10, this is the amplified version, which means it's a little bit loud. It actually means he added some words to it. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. The good life is completely hinged to me being clear. I'm his handiwork made in his image for a good purpose, for a good cause. I know who he is and I should, because of that, know who I am. God has a plan. And the plan is not that you fit into the world's mold or anybody else's mold. He has a plan for you. And I will tell you that just as sure as there is a God who has a plan, there is a devil who is scared to death. You may realize who you are. That's how he came at Jesus. Jesus' identity was questioned. Well, if we can't get him one way, we'll get him another way. Let's, let's question his identity. So the Pharisees, they're trying to tangle Jesus up. And so they, they'd hit him with everything to say, you say you are, and to question who he was. And one time they'd already come at him about taxes and resurrection and working on the Sabbath. And they tried all those things. So here comes a new approach. And in this approach is actually some nuggets of identity, some truth about identity wrapped in it. In Matthew 22, 22 36, they said, teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're thinking, we got him now. And he responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he just went ahead, and he's always a two-mile person in a one-mile world. He just went the second mile. And the second is... Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's the two hinges the door swings on. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't get these two right, nothing's going to get right. The door won't open. You're not going to get through this. And we understand that first one. Love the Lord your God. We got that one down. I mean, you don't give a little bit to Jesus, you give your entire life to Him. He, he doesn't want to be first in your life, He wants to be the center of your life, and everything revolves around Him. And we, we grasp that when it's, in that next one we even understand, love your neighbors. We don't have to like it, but we understand it. <laughs> love your neighbors, but we miss a very key pivotal point. Love your neighbors as yourself. The reason why we're having a problem with doors opening in our lives is we're struggling with that second point that I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. And if I don't understand who I am in him, it doesn't matter that I know who he is if I don't know who I am. So the problem is a poor self-esteem. Maybe it's a poor God-esteem because... We don't understand who we are in Him, and this crosses cultures, religious barriers, gender, bar- age barriers. This self-esteem is an issue that it's it's an issue, and and a lot of this comes from unfair comparisons. We we compare ourselves among ourselves, and that is never wise. And we just we're looking and thinking, well, and, and we you must see yourself as God sees you. See yourself as God sees you. Now, this may be an odd account to give in Scripture, but my mind went to the demoniac in Gadara. Jesus comes walking on the shore. Here comes a man running at him, tormented, tormented, full, full of spirits. And in Mark five, he comes running to him. He's been living alone, secluded in a in a cemetery. Living among tombs, self-inflicting pain, hurting himself. Uh, They they tried to chain him down and help him. He'd break the... It was just an awful situation. And what's amazing is Jesus walks up on the shore. He sees Jesus. He immediately knows who he is because the question is not him. It's not... Who he is, I know he is, but it's who am I. And as soon as he sees Jesus, he takes off running to him and he screams out to him, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. That's the first response, because I know who you are. And Jesus looks at him and asks the question, what is your name? Jesus literally looked at him and said, what we have here is an identity crisis. What is your name? And he does roll call of every spirit inside of him. And there had to at least be 6,000 because he said, we are legion, for there are many. A legion is at least 6,000. So we are legion, for there are many. In other words, I have 6,000 voices speaking to me. And now here comes one more. Jesus, don't torment me. Why? Because I got 6,000 people in here saying who I am. And now here you come asking, who are you? I, I, I don't, don't torment me. I don't need one more voice speaking to me. I believe the plight of this demoniac man is actually very relevant to our 21st century life. One description of Satan is that he is the prince of the power of the air. That's according to Ephesians 2.2. 2. Think of this with me, that I, a provocative image of evil is the prince of the power of the air. I'm wondering if you could say it this way, that um, he's just going wireless. <laughs> that he's just wireless. Who is? The prince of the power of the air. And I I believe that one of our greatest challenges right now is that we're so plugged in to the wireless. Research has, I'm talking literally wireless, research has shown that our brains are changing because of how we function and operate now whether it's within 160 characters or in such a small snippet world of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be, and that we, we literally think differently now. We talk differently now. And in our day and age, it's not you don't have to believe in demons, although they're real. Here's the deal. You may not simply have to give yourself over to demonic power for distraction. You may just simply have gone wireless. We are subjected to thousands of voices competing for our attention. This is what, you should be like this. You should be, if you, you know, you should be this. You should be, man, th- this is what a guy your age should be. You should be, where's that six pack? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's underneath the insulation. Well, I mean, you, you, should, you, you, got, you, you should be, uh, uh, oh, folks. We are many. We got 6,000 voices telling us because we're plugged in. We we present images of our lives on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, hoping that people will like or give us the thumb, just looking for a little approval. Now, I don't know about here, but at Grace Church, I, I know I'm saying something that would actually connect, because, you know, here you all probably, y'all maybe be unplugged, but, but the, we have literally we will risk our lives doing 70 miles on an interstate just to look and see if anyone has liked us the question is would you rather be possessed oh, I'm sorry connected connected to the thousands who don't belong or linked with the only one who matters You just need one to like you. You only need one to like you. If I can just get him to say, now this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's much better than a thousand strangers of people who wouldn't put me out if I was on fire. Second hall's. Now, I'm not telling you to delete social media networks, but what I am saying is we are, too many of us are seeking validation, confirmation, affirmation through social media instead of turning to this one who is your Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, Messiah. He died for you. He really has an interest, and he wants you to follow him more than beef up your following. I just saw Legion and thought, "Oh my goodness, that's us! We've got six thousand. We've become so many, so influenced by so many voices that we're obsessed, possibly possessed." You know, one thing about this man, Jesus asked him his name, and he 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 told him what the six thousand said. We don't really know what his name was. Could have been Bob, Rick. Phil may have been an Aramaic version of Kanye. We don't know what his name was. We don't know. We don't know what his name was. We do know his name was not Legion. That wasn't his name. He had a name assigned to him when he was formed in his mother's womb, that he was supposed to be and what God had intended for him. And somewhere he lost touch with that because of all the other media and voices speaking into his life. And then in the midst of this unending self-destructive behavior and in the midst of his round-the-clock angst, in the midst of living among tombs, the power of God finally breaks through and the reestablishment was, let's figure out again who you are. And your name is not 6,000. In fact, God said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to shut down some of your followers. Because you really just need one. And again, you all are thinking, man, he's, he's hard on social media. No, I, I'm not telling you you need to quit. I am telling you it's amazing where we find our self-worth nowadays. And when actuality... If, if they cannot love you and accept you and celebrate who you are as you are in God, then um, my brother has a word I want to hit you with. Some of you, one of the best things you could do right now is experience a procedure called a friendectomy. Right. Where you just kind of cut, snip, and dispose of whoever it is that is not accepting you for what the passion is, the desire is, and what God has called you to be. It's amazing how much better you feel when you cut the friend out and say instead let me go to the one who sticks closer than any other relationship. Let me. Who do you say that I am God? What what do you see in me? The man always knew who Jesus was but he needed clarity in his own identity. I know you are but who am I? Today the same question is asked. Who am I? This man said I'm legion. There's so many of us. We've got so many voices. So many voices speaking to us. You care about what hundreds say when you should only care about what a few say. See, this is the like generation. It is the like generation. Oh, I like and we care more about who likes us than who loves us. We're more enhanced emotionally by who likes a picture or a video we took than we who loved us enough to make. Let's be honest. When we look to see who all made a comment. Who who and it's not all about social media, but that's a good reflection of what we do to seek for approval. When your birthday comes around, we look to see who all gives a shout out and who doesn't. It's, Sometimes I think that's why we do more posting than praying. Because I'd rather start someone following me on my network than maybe share my faith. I I have 300 followers on Instagram, but who I haven't thought about anybody being invited to church this weekend. Because we just... In an age of relentless expression, do we really know who we are? The question Jesus asks is, is, it'll shake you because... There's all these identities and four simple words. What is your name? Some of us could say I'm legion because there's many. There's just, there's just voices. There's pressure of what a man should be at my age and what I should look like, what I should drive, what I should, how I should be living, what, what my area code should be, what my zip code should be, and, and I, there's, there's just pressure. I should be, I should be, I should be, I should be. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, the I should be game is one you will never win. They call that keeping up with the Jones. You can't take it from one. My dad always said that you can't keep up with it just when you think you got the Jones as we refinance. But that's that whole mindset about just we just keep just I, I just if I could just I could just and so we the old saying, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Just just because I'm I I just, what is your name? I don't want to be legion. I don't want to have so many voices speaking to me that I don't know who I am. Many voices, many activities, many interests, many influences. So you've got to see yourself as God sees you. The best one to determine the value of a product is the one who made the product. So you go back to the maker and ask him what? What's the worth? What's the value here? What do you see? And a a good self-esteem is actually summed up as better as a good God esteem. And if you've got a self-esteem problem, you've actually got a problem with esteem in general. And you're not even esteeming God correctly because you're looking at Him saying, God, you made a wonderful world. I see the trees, the birds, the animals, the mountains. Great is your handiwork everywhere, God, except right here. Now this, you had an off day, God. You did good till here. And, and perhaps you were distracted. I don't know, God, but you did very well till here. You can't worship God freely and fully if you doubt what he did when he made you in his image. To knock your image is to knock his image... If you don't respect yourself and appreciate yourself, how could you respect or appreciate God and what he did and what he wants to do? How can you accept salvation as a perfect price if you don't think you're a perfect vessel to have been saved? You, you, folks, you can't do it. That's why you got to have faith because faith says, I see everywhere where I'm short and I see all of my flaws, I see all that, but I see him. And I see him complete. I see him total. I, Moses, God, who will I say? That sent, let's just cover that. I am. You are. What? I am whatever you are not. I am. I am. You're complete in me. Don't even go and say, hey, I'm Moses. Go say, I am sent me. See, your identities in him. You, you chase relationships where people will put you down because you don't see how anyone could ever lift you up. Therefore, you won't be able to give or accept affirmation. When you, when you don't understand how God sees you, it impacts how you parent. It impacts your marriage. Right. Yes, sir. You can look, uh, ladies, he can look at you and be as sincere as, as he can be from his heart. Saying, baby, you are beautiful. And you can shoot that down. And literally look at a human being and say, and this is this one Melanie, now we have to work through this because she is a, when it comes to compliments, she is a skeet shooter par none. <laughs> Melanie, you look beautiful. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me shoot another one at you here. Boy, you're gorgeous today. No, I'm not. Finally, I told. let me tell you what you're doing. You're telling me my opinion doesn't matter. Because when I see you, I see all good. And the moment you say no to me, you just shut down. So now we got two of us with a a problem here. Now, you have a low self-esteem. Now, I'm questioning my opinion. If you could ramp up on your self-esteem, I can ramp up on my compliments. We'll both feel better. Now, I'm just meddling. But that's just so. It impacts your marriage if you have a low self-esteem. It, it impacts how you parent if you have a low self esteem it impacts how you how you worship with a low self esteem it impacts how you are pastored with a low self esteem listen one thing you guys don't lack for here is preaching matter of fact tonight we just gave you a night off you get great preaching but the problem is is yeah problem is is whenever you don't think the words for you because of your worthy or worthness well, that that must have been for them. That couldn't have been for me. He just said something about the gift and the call of God. That had to be, because I don't I don't. When you see the value that he found in you, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Then you will be able to love the Lord your God. And your neighbor as yourself. Right. Amen. Well, I feel out of place. That's because you are out of place. We're aliens. If you haven't found your place with Him, you'll never find your place with them. We're His children. Ephesians 1:5 having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his, uh, of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved can you at least say that you are acceptable i'm not saying you have to say you're a 10 but you're acceptable he made me accepted in the beloved he made you accept it you have to learn to accept his acceptance and some of us accept his acceptance Did y'all try i know it's a wednesday Did you, y'all with me on that rather than accepting it we accept it look in the mirror stuart smalley used to do this look in the mirror I'm accepted by God. He loves me and has promised to never leave me. I will trust His love today that His grace is enough for me. Because sometimes that's what you need. Because as we get older, we don't get better. Are you faster now than you were 15 years ago? Can you hear better now than you could? Well, some of you can, but you got batteries. Can you, you can't see better. It's, it's uncanny. Uh, Melanie and I have now hit that phase. I turned 48 in December. She'll be 48 in April. And somewhere this past, it, now, now there's readers all over the house, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Literally for Christmas, the woman bought me so much stuff, talking about bad self-esteem, that would not fit me because she just didn't want to do this to look at a size. <laughs> it just slowly gets worse. I just want to encourage you with that. (laughs) Let me encourage you with this. We're all going down. This is, well, I can get a little better, but pretty much this is as good as this is going to get. I can shift and move some stuff around, but pretty much this is it. So I might as well accept. Matter of fact, we all know that's one of the worst things that happen is have somebody trying to look like they're from a different Generation and, 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 and I'm gonna just tell you now the comb over hadn't fooled nobody. We've got some ladies in our church, there are some people we could not bury at sea. They've added so many flotation devices and things, just I, I don't know why. <laughs> They just won't stay down. Some folks, we can't baptize. We end up sprinkling because it's like, or we can roll them. You know, it's got, actually some we've basted because it's just, because we're trying to be what we're not. How about I am accepted by God? He loves me and has promised to never leave me. I will trust his love today that his grace is enough for me. When you find your acceptance and your value in Christ, you will find your identity and your destiny. I'm going to wrap up with this. Jacob had been to Bethel. Now he was moving on and his wife, Rachel. Now you've got to remember who Rachel is because Jacob had two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel was the one that he wanted, worked seven years for, and then he was hoodooed. And he gets Leah, works another seven years for Rachel. That was his the one he loved. That was his pick. I, I'm that everything about that scares me as a husband. First of all, two wives. Right there, I tremble. <laughs> and then secondly, the whole favorites. I'm trembling more now. I just, I just, I don't know. I just see that as a man full, fully troubled. I'd rather the six thousand legion than the six thousand to two. What, what do you think? I, I'm gonna tell you, hands down, the two women can handle the six. Anyways, she's about to give birth. Genesis 35, 17. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. And catch this. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But his father named him Benjamin. Her last act. Now, this is the one he loved. This is his girl. I remember being with Melanie when our children were born, and it happened first with Spencer over 18 years ago. When he was born, I remember looking at Melanie and saying, Babe, I, I didn't know I could love you more, but I just now started loving you more than I did while ago, because of watching what you just walked through and look what you just gave me. Then 12 years ago with Savannah Grace, same thing. But I, I now my love just grew further. So here he is at a point of childbirth with a boy the woman he loves, and she dies in birth, giving birth, and names this little boy Benoni. But Jacob named him Benjamin. Why did they do that? Benoni means son of my sorrow. She's at death's door. She's dying. She's in pain. Obviously, it was a bad childbirth experience. And she named this child... Based on her current experience. Let me sidebar to a lesson here. And I'm aware of the time. Don't ever name what you're going through while you're going through it. There's some stuff right now you say, I'm going through hell. That later you're going to say, that was a blessing. That was the making of who I am. So don't name what you're going through while you're going through it. Don't, don't do that. She, and she literally, imagine a child growing up knowing mom died giving birth to me. And my name is son of her sorrow. And Jacob stands there and looks at the body of his wife and holds his newborn son and says, we can't do that. So you got to keep in mind, this is Jacob. Jacob, who was named because of the order of his birth and the the situation around it. Jacob, meaning the one who supplants, the the get-aheader, the one that whatever I've got to do to get myself ahead, the cheater, the supplanter, the heel-grabber, his name for all of his life, and now she's named his son, son of my sorrow. Jacob just reruns his life. Of what it meant to have the wrong label and the wrong identity. He was 97 when he wrestled with God and got his name changed. For 97 years, he lived under a false or a wrong identity. The question God asked him when he wanted to bless him in the Old Testament is the same question Jesus asked the demoniac when he wanted to bless him. What is your name? Why? Something about getting a clarity on your identity is tied into your blessing. If you ever figure out who you are, or maybe what's keeping you from your blessing is you're not aware of who you are. Same question, what is your name? And when he said, I am Jacob, we know that the blessing God gave him was, no, no, from this day forward, you will be known as Israel, prevailing prince with God and man. That happened at ninety-seven. He didn't use that name himself until he was 147. He wrestled with the angel in Genesis 32. But God had to remind him of his name in Genesis 35. Even though God said, here's who you are, he never used it till till later. And he understood how hard it is to accept your identity in God once someone else or something else in the world has named you. So now he looks at his dead wife and he looks at a little boy and he's thinking there's no way he can go through 97 years being known as the son of mom's sorrow just like I've been known as the heel grabber. And even though they corrected me later and God said no, no, no you're a prevailing prince with God and man it still took me a long time to ever get that name into my spirit and he looked at his wife I love you You were the one I worked 14 years for, but I override your decision. His name is Benjamin, son of my right hand, son of my right hand. Can I just tell you, you are not who anyone or who the world has said you are. You are not what your situation says you are. We're so good at attaching labels alcoholic, liar, ugly, overweight, cheater, failure, bankrupt, depressed, bipolar, addicted, loner. You are not who anyone says you are, you are not who the church says you are, you are who your father says you are. Jesus says You're my beloved You're my child You're redeemed You're forgiven You're chosen You're a treasure You are blessed You're accepted You are righteous You are pleasing Now don't be like Jacob Don't go from 97 to 147 not accepting what he has said about you. You don't have to understand it. Just accept it. it. Just receive it and accept it. I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. I know who you are. I know you are. But Who am I? Old Testament. New Testament examples of the same situation identity crisis. Everybody else telling us who we are, from social media to parents at a time of a hard time in their life. Some of us haven't shaken that and we're still carrying it around. If you'll listen, the greatest blessing God could give you is not to change your situation, just to bring clarity to you of your identity. None of Jacob's trouble went away. He still had an angry brother coming at him. He still had a situation coming head on that he was going to have to face. The blessing, God said, here's the blessing for you. Let's clear up your identity. Legion, here's what we're going to do, buddy. We're going to defriend. We're going to bring you back to one. Notice what happened with the demoniac. If you read the story in Mark 5. Jesus cast the demons out into a herd of pigs. The pigs run over a cliff. You know all that story. If you read the whole story, it says, and when the man was fully clothed and in his right mind, then the crowds feared him. See, society cannot understand what I'm saying. Society is built on a false pretense. Fake it till you make it. One of the things that can most rattle them is just somebody who's comfortable in their own skin and their identity in God. That shakes people up. They can handle pigs running off a cliff and demons being cast out easier than they can one man or one woman with a clear identity, fully clothed in their right mind. Now, now, now that's messing me up. Let's stand. Pastor Jay, I thank you for the privilege. You've been labeled. You've been called something. My question is, what does the Father say? And if he didn't say it, you don't have to go by it. And um, Pastor Josh said you often do this. I just want to give an invitation to anybody who's just saying, God, I I want to uh, clarify my identity, who I am in you. That if I can get clear on whose I am, then maybe I can be clear on who I am in whose I am. And God, whenever I'm wondering who am I, all I need to remember is who you are. And you are I am that I am. Life can be tough. It's even tougher if you're not clear on your identity. Believe in yourself because of the one who believes in you. If you'd like prayer, if you'd like to just come and be strengthened by worshiping him. And in his presence is that fullness of joy. I want to invite you to come and gather with us across the front. Sons of God, daughters of God, made in his image. Winners, head not tail, above not beneath, lenders not borrowers. The opinion God has of you is so high and he knows you well. Your substance was not hid from him when you were made in secret. Now while these folks begin to worship... And begin to seek after God. And he begins to minister to them. With the rest of you just worship with us? Let's let God bless. Let's let him move. In Jesus' name. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.